4: Pitch
1: just being me Amy Winehouse. back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson, rated R under seventeen not a Minute Without Parent only in theaters May 17th.
2: Hello, the internet, and welcome to season two thirty one episode one of your Daily's I Guy Production of iHeartRadio. This is a podcast where we take a deep dive into America's shared consciousness. it's monday may twenty third 2022 i don't I don't know what that means. What does that mean, miles?
0: Oh may twenty third. Oh, you <laughs> didn't know.
2: And well, you don't let me know? tell
0: you, uh, thank you, uh, like like I said, it's not because I'm in a panic searching what it is, it's because there's just a lot of uh, excitement around today, which is World Turtle Day. So if yeah. you like turtles, ah. shout out to I you. I saw a
3: turtle today.
0: Wow. Okay, see, that's in line with the spirit of the It's all happening. It's already also, happening. National Lucky Penny Day. So I mean, for those that... Indulge in the two of the biggest <laughs> days, believing two, in you know. a lucky piece of my <laughs>
2: turtle, lucky penny. Don't combine them. Yeah, no, no, the, please
3: don't.
2: Two types of ponds that you want to keep separate the mm-hmm. wishing pond, and uh, <laughs> you Just know, take a bag, you bag know, full the of wishing pond. yeah,
0: take a bag full of turtles to the Trevi fountain.
2: Yeah, uh, go. Maybe here's- anyways, my name is Jack O'Brien, aka Mona Lisa Simpson Hands. Um, that is courtesy of Chris Mackling. I think we were talking about how all artists should take the pressure off of the rest of us and only draw people with Simpsons' hands.
0: Oh, right, because we were talking about how, well, oh, the tweet was, there. every culture has mermaids because legs are too hard to draw. yeah. Tweet that yeah, we out, right?
2: that, yeah, exactly. Please, bring back... Anyways, Chris... Appreciate the tweet, especially uh, parenthetical at the end, no singing involved, which is helpful both because I'm sick and not a good singer when I'm not sick. Oh. So appreciate that, and I'm thrilled to be joined as always by my co-host, Mr. Miles Gray.
0: Uh-oh, call me Lavar smoking, cause I can see everything. I'll take a look in a tiny book. I'm seeing things, bro. <laughs> Shout out to Christy. I'm a Gucci man at Waffle House because you know I'm just
2: these eyes, man. These I mean, eyes. You know, the conversation before we start rolling is the conversation <laughs> after we start rolling. This man I'm, has look, a new identity. It's <laughs>
0: uh, it's a, such a it's a, a marked difference, you know, and it's and we take our eyesight for granted. And I realize, look, I'm it's, it's this small victories.
2: that uh, that add up for me. And we did, so we talked about how you did the vision test after they sewed your eyes back up and the, (laughs) you know, people in the lab coats were like muttering to one another and being like checking each other's notes in in a confused murmur. And we finally got word that not only were you seeing things that should have been impossible, but you were seeing what was on the screen days ago. Yes. So your eyes apparently (laughs) are able to see through time and they're still trying to figure it out.
0: They said, get me Lloyd Austin at the Pentagon <laughs> now. Uh, the second I said, I read that second line. They know. They know. They've created they know. a super Antifa soldier right now. Yeah. You know what I
3: mean?
2: <laughs> well, Miles, we are thrilled to be joined in our third seat by an acclaimed author, musician, and podcast host of the new yes. show, Cool People Who Did Cool Stuff, from Robert Evans and Sophie Lichterman's network, Cool Zone Media. Yeah. It's the brilliant and talented Margaret Killjoy. Margaret hi! What's up? Welcome, welcome. Thanks. Welcome, Margaret. I'm excited to be here. I don't have a clever
3: name for myself other than Margaret, unfortunately.
0: Is yeah. Killjoy uh, your legal
2: name?
3: No, no, but I... It, that works. I, I took it a very long time ago when I was a much more cynical activist. Now it's kind of ironic. Right, right. right. <laughs> yeah, your,
2: your show is very much, I mean... One of the best titles for a show in that you know exactly what it is from the title. Cool people who did cool stuff. But it does clash with your name, which is cool as fuck, by the way. You don't need uh, when your name is Jack O'Brien. You need to come up with AKAs and shit. Mm -hmm. But Margaret Kiljoy does does lots of lots of work for you. Yeah, fair enough.
0: This show, like when when people hear that cool people who did cool stuff, you know, I'm sure it's it's nebulous nebulous enough that someone could you know map their own meaning to it and say, oh, maybe some something cool about crypto. No, no, no.
2: <laughs>
0: you're giving people the imagination
2: on yeah. Uh, what it's it still means early. To, it's still early, Miles. <laughs> you might take it to crypto. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Why not? Nah, no.
3: <laughs> it is fun to be the arbiter of cool. Right. Yeah,
0: yeah. But tell people a little bit about uh, the kinds of cool people that are covered in the podcast, But because I think it's a, a, just a fantastic show and a fantastic concept and much needed type of content for people, especially in the times we're in right now.
3: Well, uh, my background is mostly as an activist. And so a lot of the people that I think are particularly cool are various revolutionaries and people who fight against oppressive systems and people who carve out their own ways of being. And I don't know, um, we'll see what directions it goes. But for now, you know, the first episode is about the anarchists fighting for the eight hour workday in Chicago and did stuff about actually the first two episodes managed to be about Chicago completely happenstance. The other one was direct action abortionists in Chicago 100 years later. And we'll see where it goes from there.
0: Yeah, I I, always talk about this. And on the show, we generally talk about how so many we just lack the imagination for revolutionary thinking and examples of of people who, you know, really took it upon themselves to look at a situation that was untenable and said, well, there's something has to give. And here's how we can pursue that, because I feel like most yeah. people, the thought stops at so fucked up right now
2: and <laughs> yeah. that because that
0: is typically where because no one has mm-hmm. a lot of examples to go oh, you know what so-and-so did? Because in every other mo- examples in our lives, we have ways to sort of take up for ourselves or we have examples that inform what a p- potential next step would be in a given situation. But we've done a really good job in the world to kind of dull that sort of, s- that imagination for revolution- revolutionary action.
3: Yeah, and then bury it, you know. Um, we we only see the negative examples because there's a lot of negative examples that people try to make stuff better that make things worse also. Mm-hmm. But they... Yeah, I keep finding all these examples throughout history where I'm like, oh, these people are doing really amazing shit. And I never even heard of them, you know, because we don't talk about them enough.
2: Yeah. It's been systematically removed from the history that at least I learned in school in the 80s and 90s, you know. But we touched real
0: quickly on John Brown. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Lately. And he start and he basically set the whole war off. All right, next yep. one. Um, let's
3: see. <laughs> and then no one ever talks about the fact that he wasn't alone. I mean, besides the fact that there were people directly with him, but he was part of this whole huge network. You know, right. that was uh, not ju- that was like white and black abolitionists.
2: Yeah, I got no the one impression ever talks about that from history class that it was a lone nut situation. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, this this guy was really uh, had his beans up you know (laughs) they're like all right we'll give
0: you a little bit he (laughs) has some kids too that may have been involved but that's all we're gonna tell you about it was just him and his sons that's it yeah Yeah. that's it yeah
2: yeah and you are not accepting self-submitted packets of people telling their own story about like cool cool stuff stuff they 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 did in grade school when they were like in 96 yeah 96 school party
0: yeah did a backflip off the
3: roof (laughs) <laughs> it's still in my inbox. I haven't, I haven't finished all going right, through it right. yet. Yeah. Okay, it, it got
2: thanks. there. I was actually just concerned that it didn't. Yeah, happen. yeah, yeah. No.
3: <laughs> I know you had me on just to
2: check. But. <laughs> okay,
3: cool. Uh,
2: well, I think we're done here.
3: All right, so what
2: stories
0: are coming out today? Uh, Well, back in 98, actually, uh, (laughs) I was
2: playing NBA
0: Jam Tournament Edition. Everyone said this kid couldn't get beat, and lo and behold, I did. Maybe that could be
2: (laughs) (laughs) Sounds cool. I don't know. I don't know what your definition of cool is. All right, Margaret, we're going to get to know you a little bit better in a moment. Mm -hmm. First, we're going to tell our listeners a couple of the things we're talking about today. January 6th, they're still looking into it. Okay. We we have some breadcrumbs that indicate that there there might be something there. And we're going to talk about Starbucks anti-union tactics which are embarrassingly self-incriminating and also not very successful to this point. Some people think shockingly so. I think the direct quote is It's shocking how badly they're getting the shit kicked out of them (laughs) uh, (laughs) from somebody, from one expert paying attention. So we're going to talk about that, why it might not be that shocking right now. We're going to talk about that study uh, about what social media does to your brain. We might even get to some Star Trek, all of that, plenty more. But first, Margaret, we do like to ask our guests, what is something from your search history? Well, I picked, the most recent thing I searched was last
3: night was plastic part broken on DeWalt miter saw Mm -hmm. because I was trying to make shelves and I tried to cut a very acute angle and something broke would, uh, I definitely was wearing all the right safety equipment. Absolutely. Of course, I would never do otherwise. Fortunately, nothing hit my eyes, which were definitely protected. And Mm. And some pe- plastic piece of my saw broke, and I have no idea where it comes from. And I'm just like looking at this part of my saw, and I'm like, "Huh?"
0: Yeah, but oh, like, trying to be like, "Where did this
2: come from?" Makes
3: yeah, sense. exactly. What did I break? I have no idea right. what this thing is. And if you search "plastic part broken on Dewalt miter saw," you find the dust extractor because that's what everyone breaks. And Google saved me. Is that what you broke? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Google saved me. Yeah.
2: Hey, Google's good
0: yeah for
3: six dollar part.
0: Hey, you know who else saves?
2: JC Jesus. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like we were both on the same wavelength there yeah
0: just want to bring it back man we always got to bring it back to carpenter. also a carpenter yeah also a carpenter i
2: know thing. thank you
0: so are you margaret are you a carpenter you, you no no i
3: i um i do a ton of different things and then i realized that uh, everything i do not for work cannot be on a computer because i already do everything else on a computer and so i do some woodworking and right now i'm trying to like build instruments and shelves oh and wow a bunch of other shit
0: Building instruments,
3: yeah, it's like really what, fun. like
0: guitars and shit.
3: Yeah, um, I I build some electric guitars out of kits and do some of the woodworking and the soldering on them. And then, but I also do a bunch of acoustic, like folk instruments. Some of them I build from kits. Some of them I just kind of invent, make up, yeah. I oh, tie shit. strings okay. to wooden things, and try and make them. Okay, where nice I get and, your
0: albums? Where do Where do I hear your albums?
3: <laughs> uh, Feminazgool.bandcamp.com. Actually, okay.
2: yeah, okay. <laughs> Margaret has. Go three separate very impressive careers it's <laughs> yeah. one of, it's like oh are you five different people how is, yeah. how is that happening but okay yeah. so
0: you're an activist you're a luthier as well mm-hmm. yeah isn't that the name for a guitar maker
3: i don't know how to pronounce that word
0: yeah or luthier
3: luthier We're maybe bad english with yeah. it. i'm not a good one of that but i use them in my in, the, in my metal band
2: oh that's amazing yeah. it's mostly metal
3: so i i <laughs> I do a lot of things. Um the thing that I do that most the most people listen to, my band that the most people listen to is a all women black metal band called Femina School, and we play a lot of different instruments in the band and I've been increasingly just like making my own instruments for it because
2: why the Man. fuck not? Oh, yeah. Indeed. I would say to answer why the fuck not, I don't have the energy <laughs> mental bandwidth. <laughs> This is a sign of like this is uh, I've I've heard of this with very various like impressive people that they're the the coach of the Indiana Pacers, Mm -hmm. Rick Adelman. No, not Rick Adelman. Rick Carlisle like builds his own golf clubs and is also like a concert pianist and uh, yeah, like all the builds. all these various things and like the the point at which the genius starts building their own equipment i'm like I, i'm out that's <laughs> too, right, right too right. much for me to identify yeah. with that's uh, i do that's like the,
0: cool. I, the i i like the like that sort of uh rule that you have like where if so much work is happening on a screen that you also need something off screen Mm-hmm. And I just realized, like, even when I play music, like I'm looking at a computer screen rather than just like taking my bass and just amplifying it and looking out yeah. a window and doing yeah. that instead of at a screen.
2: Oh, man. Okay. So I'm going to, yeah, I like that. Thank you, Margaret. I'm going to take that into practice, actually. Yeah. Yeah.
3: I'll be curious what you come up with.
2: Yeah. What is something you think is overrated?
3: Okay. So I wrote this down before listening to your last episode. I think superheroes are
2: overrated. Uh-oh. Okay. Yeah. And
3: I mean, there's nothing inherently wrong with them as a you know fiction trip or whatever, but I'm kind of bored of them, and I think that it shows because I think all of the best and most engaging superhero characters are not the superheroes; they're the shows that are centered around like regular ass people who happen to live in a superhero world. Yeah,
0: wait, I like think... which ones?
3: Okay, this is a terrible example, but I just binge watched Peacemaker, and I never thought I would want to watch Peacemaker because he's the oh, worst I character. He's the worst character in that thing. And I'm like, why do I want to watch yet another like vindication of a right wing white dude? Right. And it's really well written. But then the like, I don't even remember, I don't remember actors or character names very well. The like hacker guy in it, who's just this like regular guy who's just like hanging out with all these people who are super trained killers. And he's like, all right, I guess we'll just try and save the world or whatever. He's, he's the, I like him, you know, and I like the regular characters within. Right. Which is actually uh, yeah, weirdly a defense of super. I didn't even intend to come here and defend superhero
0: movies. <laughs> but but yeah, let's focus on the regular people, not the super people, the the 0.01%ers of this reality. What yeah. about the hoi polloi out there just dealing with their normal people skills?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I do do we think we're headed in a, any direction other than more superhero movies all the time? There's definitely been some like dents in the Marvel armor a little bit with like the Eternals and shows, uh, movies like that. And, but you know, when you look at the most popular movies, it's, it is for people who are like, not all movies should maybe be superhero movies. It's, it's been pretty, a pretty bleak time, I'd say, since the beginning of the pandemic.
3: Yeah. Why, why pandemic equals only superheroes is it because you can shoot with fewer characters i don't even know
0: i don't know or maybe people are just more receptive to the idea of like a savior with magical powers like in a time of just chaos you're like
1: i
2: don't know know who else was the savior with magical powers in a time of chaos satan that's right (laughs) Mm -hmm. gave people a lot of information that's what i remember yeah Yeah. (laughs) Uh, what is something you think is underrated
3: okay i think something that's underrated is and i I tried to go for something a a little bit less earnest but i only came up with something super earnest (laughs) when workers take over their businesses and run them as co-ops without bosses i yeah i i see it slowly cropping back up and you know i know that we're going to talk about union stuff in a bit but it, it just that's a thing I've been seeing a little bit more of and I think is underrated and, and more people should too <laughs> is fire their give bosses. You
0: giving us a recent example that you saw again because we want to put, give people the imagination rather than describing yeah, what with sure.
3: something you saw. Uh, okay, so like there's a pizza shop in Baltimore called Joe Squared and during the pandemic it had to close and because it was the pandemic, well, it's still the pandemic, but you know, whatever. Right. And it was a family-run business and the workers, and in this case it was actually very positive. They, the owners just gave the business to their employees. Um, I believe. I don't have all of the details in front of me about this. Mm. And basically we're like, well, you all want to keep running it? And they're like, yeah, we do. And so now the workers run it as a, a workers cooperative and it's it's open again and it's doing well. Um, and it's part of this kind of like growing ecosystem in Baltimore of these worker cooperatives. Like part of the reason Joe Square became one is it was across the street from a worker cooperative bookstore and cafe called Red Emma's. And basically they all hung out all the time. And they were like, yeah, we don't, we don't have bosses. Uh, we all like run we this own place and run this, right? Yeah. Now. And like, why right does now. democracy end when you get to work? You know, like we're we. I mean, democracy ended. You know, when when money got involved, sure. but but like theoretically, we have a say right. in political matters. Why do, we, as soon as we get to work, we just accept that someone's in charge of us? It doesn't, right?
0: Know. Yeah. It's like yeah, I'm off to my uh, I'm off to my gig where I go uh, work in a despotic environment and don't ask questions
2: because then I get my pittance and
3: I'm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly.
2: (laughs) Yeah. That's, I feel like I hear, mostly hear about it in like bike shops and, Mm -hmm. and like cafes and stuff, but I, yeah. uh, A pizza place is new. Let's. Yeah. Well, there's industry too, right? right?
3: Like um, as a worker, work around a window factory in, in Chicago, where after they fired their bosses, they like bought it out as the business was failing. I don't remember the exact details. I think they actually had to stage some like sit ins and strikes and stuff to do this. Now they all make, I think, twice as much money as they used to. And the business itself is like substantially more profitable because like who knows how to run a business like the workers? Sorry, I didn't even mean to. Right. Well, I guess I did mean to soapbox about this. I like wrote it down as my thing to talk about.
2: Absolutely. But I. <laughs> It's so counter to what we're going down to end up talking about, like with, you know, the the CEO's mindset is I'd like to see you try. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. Oh, OK, I'd like to see okay, you try this without me. And then, <laughs> you know, it turns out that it's much, much better when that they do that. And but everything else is like propped up. I, like people will even read Ayn Rand. Like, people <laughs> yeah. read that book just to justify the, I'd like to see you try ideal yeah. at the core of America's, like, kind of system. And they're like, it's actually well written. That was something yeah. I heard very <laughs> early on. I was like, no, no, it's not. <laughs> it's
3: also just fiction. It's a fiction right. book. Right.
2: But they, they found the one. They found yeah. that one story yep. that's going to make Pretty it. good. good. But, all right. Well, let's take a quick break. We'll come back and talk about some of this stuff and how it affects the news.
0: Zach gang, customers are rushing to your store, but do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it, you know, like a literal POS? And if you need to learn more, check out their website. It's super easy to navigate. Whether you have questions about how you can optimize your inventory or, again, looking for hardware to make sales easier, Shopify.com has all of that. Just go there. Check it out. So sign up for a $1 per month trial period at Shopify.com slash TDZ, all lowercase. Go to Shopify.com slash TDZ to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash TDZ. You like to watch new stuff, right, Zygang? I know I do. Well, go to Hulu and see what's new.
2: And we're back. we were just talking West Virginia off mic. Mm-hmm. Too hot for too hot for TV. We can't we can't get into that live. But I'm learning about all the the cool features,
0: geographic features. Of the TV. <laughs> Shout out to the, <laughs> spiky the difference thing. between
2: the panhandle and the spike, spiky yeah. thing at the top. <laughs> the spiky thing. Yeah. All right, let's check in with January sixth inquiries, investigations that are happening. Yeah. What's what's going on?
0: We there's a lot of buzz last week. I mean, mostly talking about the the headlines dealing with a request from the Department of Justice asking the January 6th uh, House Committee for, you know, some interview interview transcripts. And the line that a lot of people focused on was the one is that that they asked for these transcripts because they, quote, may contain information relevant to a criminal investigation we are conducting. So. You know, we've talked about the whole time, like how quiet Merrick Garland has been. <laughs> We're like, "Uh, sir, you, you up to anything over there? Is this just kind of you're, you're just waiting to see how things, you know, shake out with the House committee and then something's going to go on. But this seems to get a lot of the legal observers and theorists who are watching say like, oh, no, this is significant. This is very significant. And I'm like, OK, why is it significant? So they say that this now shows that the the investigations between the House committee and main justice are beginning to overlap in terms of their findings of criminal behavior and that the House committee, you know, because they don't have the power to prosecute, they can only refer people to 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 main justice that they're saying, OK, so the Justice Department is clearly if they're going to ask for this, they feel that they have some firm footing to really begin to go after the upper echelons of potentially some of the people that may have been involved which is okay. That's heartening to hear. But again, I'll believe it when I see it. <laughs> and, you know, the other things is that because they say the other the other thing that they point to that has people excited, like, well, you know, Merrick Garland famously doesn't like to have anything that the Justice Department does or his in his capacity in justice look like anything's being politicized. So they're being very quiet. And if now they're beginning to say, okay, we need these materials, it's indicating there's there's clearly a new phase that at least the department of justice has entered so fine from that vague 10,000 foot view something's happening a lot of people have pointed to the fact that benny thompson who's the chairperson of that committee has said he's not willing to share that material immediately but a lot of people say this is just part of the back and forth between the house and justice department where they're just they need an agreement over how the materials are used or shared or whatever but meanwhile while that's happening The Washington Post also published that Ginny Thomas is back at it again, or was not that she's back at it again, that they've uncovered even more fuckery from Ginny Thomas, who is again the wife of Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas. They describe her as a conservative activist in this piece, (laughs) and I'm like, wow, okay, uh, that's that's quite an euphemistic. But they said that uh, she was sending emails to electors in Virginia, basically trying to push them to... Not accept what's happening with all the rampant fraud This from The Washington Post. Quote, the email sent by Ginny Thomas to a pair of lawmakers on November 9th, 2020, argued that legislators needed to intervene because the vote had been marred by fraud. Though she did not mention either candidate by name, the context was clear. Hmm. And days after media organizations called the race for Biden in Arizona and nationwide, Thomas urged the lawmakers again to, quote, stand strong in the face of political and media pressure.
2: Now, Margaret, as a fellow activist Mm -hmm. in the activist handbook (laughs) where it tells you, you know, be married to Supreme Court justice and send email forwards to powerful friends that you met at a dinner party. Is that, you know, near the top of the list? How, How do you incorporate that into your playbook? Well, it's actually, and in, in, it's, it's in the appendices, um, because <laughs> people see it. Yeah.
3: yeah. Yeah. Because that way you can kind of get the sort of plausible deniability being like, oh, I did that, but I didn't actually read it because I read the whole book. I just didn't read that stuff at the back where they define the terms and then tell you right. to, uh, pretend to believe in law, but not actually be believing in law at all. Right. And then just try and grab power by any way you can. That's all. Yeah. It's all in the back. Pretty standard yeah. stuff.
0: Right. Yeah, it's it's really wild to continue to see all of this happen, you know, just (laughs) on one side. It's just all of these just clear as day examples of like, oh, so we're just doing that and only waiting for, you know, I guess these bombshells as we Mm -hmm. read constantly in The New York Times and Washington Post like, oh, just wait when they do their public circus show in the beginning of June. The committee is going to have some real eye opening revelations (laughs) like we saw them happen all in real time. So, yeah, Yeah. I'm just I don't know what else you got. (laughs) What else could you possibly have that in their mind is going to completely be like the the country's going to get on the same page and be like, okay, you're you know, you're right. That was a bridge too far. Yeah, we didn't.
3: I mean, it's kind of like what was happening when Trump was in office where I was like. Right. Every day, they're like, we have new evidence about why we're going to impeach him. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay. And it's like year three. And they're like, we swear. We swear. We're working on this, <laughs> this thing. One. It's about to happen. And we're like, all the bad stuff has already been happening for yeah. three years. And oh,
0: but there's worse
2: stuff. <laughs> yeah. Robert what? Mueller's 12 sexiest outfits. <laughs> <laughs> Robert, Robert Mueller beachwear. <laughs> Looking like a Seriously. snack in beachwear.
0: <laughs> oh, No but yeah it, it's yeah. again it's, apparently if you know without the subpoenas that have gone on they say there's some people like you know bill barr may actually speak with the committee and who knows what he'll reveal but you know i, I it, it's it's hard to continue reading about all of this and then just sort of seeing like i i've yet to really see the justice system work in a tangible way to protect anything at this point like any like yeah. Fucking anything. Ted Cruz just won at the Supreme Court, you know, for <laughs> his own like for uh, his own grievances about how he wanted to use his own campaign money. And we're mm-hmm. like, this is OK. You know, I, I think we're
2: free falling. Mm. Yeah. So the the subpoenas come home to roost in June. Is that when people start? saying stuff that they didn't want well, to that's the say. public
0: hearings that's when okay. they they're the whole show and tell begins on tv baby
2: mm-hmm. at which point they're they're just gonna find a way they're gonna to what show Not us a clip shit. of
0: january 6 and be like member remember <laughs> oh right. no anyway vote for democrats remember <laughs> wait and then you're like wait hold on hold on that was it that's- yeah all this time for just so y'all go member and then say vote for Democrats in November? Hey, member in November. Okay. <laughs>
2: <laughs> member. Member? <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I I'm sure I'll find out about it on Twitter if something big happens there. But I'm I, I feel very hopeless by <laughs> just that the tone of this, the it it really does, Margaret to your point, really does remind me of the whole Trump presidency and Rachel Maddow coming on with the tax returns and it was like, get ready motherfuckers. It is time. We got him. And then, right. was, yeah.
0: But then I think they fail to realize their own closeness to the people that they need to hold accountable. Yeah. And yeah. you see how unable they are to do that. Cause it's like, they're like,
1: well, like my cousin. Right. Yeah. <laughs>
0: and they're fucking everything up and making life hell for most people here. Now fucking get your shit together and, you know, pretend like you're some kind of legislator, but it's, it's, I think that's what's so disheartening is like, it's like the tools are there, but the will looks like absolutely just fucking, just like mm. spider webs in the wind.
2: Damn. That was a good spider webs in the wind. It uh, was. Yeah. yeah. Anyone, yeah, who
3: yes, yeah. See, anyone who couldn't see, anyone who can see his hands, they were yeah. Thank, very you. thank you,
2: Margaret. Yeah. Did a little physical, yeah. you know, just, just want to bring yeah. everybody into it. Yeah. If Michael Winslow was a poet. <laughs> that would be the sort of sound effects that we would get. <laughs> See, I can't do that. Um, all right, let's talk about uh, Starbucks. I'm making a run. What, what, what's everyone <laughs> No, Starbucks, uh, anti-union tactics have been pretty transparent, open, hostile. So it began at the end of last year with a store in Buffalo. And as of May 13th, reportedly 69 Starbucks stores have voted to form unions. And Hey, nice. So you're never going to guess who's not super thrilled about that. Starbucks. Starbucks is not super thrilled. Yeah. Well, so I should be clear. Starbucks views their employees as, quote, partners, Mm -hmm. which is interesting because, like, in a partnership, it's usually not. Like, if Paul Simon made billions of dollars while Garfunkel was getting, like, $15 an hour, (laughs) we probably wouldn't have gotten bridge over troubled water from them. (laughs) Also they they like to boast about the benefits that it offers their partners including health care coverage and we we heard about this nonstop when Howard Schultz former CEO of Starbucks uh, spoiler alert once again CEO of Starbucks you know in his memoir but also when he was running for office just loved to talk about how Starbucks employees uh so he knew heading in that if Starbucks employees had faith in me and my motives they wouldn't need a union which is how you know <laughs> cult leaders talk <laughs> but this is a detail that i had totally missed and you know it speaks to what we were talking about earlier with the the way that our country in general our education system our media controls information how was it not like the first sentence after him making claims about getting health care for Starbucks employees? The, the first sentence after that should have been actually Starbucks employees first got health care in the 80s, not because of Howard Schultz, but because they were part of a union. <laughs> well, they, but,
0: yeah, uh, but I was there at the time, so they no, got the healthcare. He, so, so he
2: was not. Okay. Then he well, took then, over as CEO uh, after the union fuck. had negotiated that. And then went went about just spent his, his full time job became trying to like kill the union that got them health care. But then I guess he left the health care around because it's really hard to take away good, mm-hmm. you know, good things from employees once they're instituted. But brought in consultants and attorneys specializing in anti-union campaigns to assist its decertification efforts, which is great.
0: Yeah, fantastic. I mean, look, Howard Schultz. He knows what he's doing. He says one thing, he means another. He's his terrible uh ill-deployed holocaust anecdotes about sharing the blanket with his uh fellow partners. Remember that like cringy ass all-hands oh, yeah. meeting he did? Oh my God. And he's like like in the holocaust they had to
1: share a blanket in the
0: cars when they were going to concentration camps and that that's, that's really been in my mind, the idea that we all have to share the blanket. And that's what I've brought to Starbucks. And you're like, I'm sorry, who are, who is Starbucks in that metaphor? But okay. <laughs> and, you know, I think this is what we've seen too, is like all of the, the pushback, right? Cause everyone said the importance of that Buffalo unionizing effort is we just need a fucking domino to fall. And they know, just like Amazon knows one falls, Everybody else starts, again, getting the fucking imagination, Mm -hmm. the fucking vision for something different. And now look at it. They're just like looking at a, you know, a a fucking wave that they're trying to fight in a futile way of their partners wanting to unionize.
2: Yeah. At the national like messaging level, they're gaslighting people claiming like we're not anti-union. We're just pro partner. But at the individual level, they are just fighting dirty as fuck
0: we're not anti-abortion we're pro-life i mean could you imagine if you were
2: just
3: like you're in a partnership and like my boyfriend is like oh we're in a partnership and i'm like great so we're equals and like no no i mean like (laughs) (laughs) i tell you what to do (laughs) and then you do it and then if you don't do it i'm gonna um, make you homeless and i'm like oh yeah
2: partnership okay yeah totally so so you're an
0: overlord yeah oh i like partner
2: better than that yeah So last fall, after the Buffalo Starbucks began the process of starting a union election, Starbucks coincidentally closed the store for two months, innocently claiming it was suddenly going to be (laughs) their new training center. And then out-of-town managers were showing up to work at Buffalo stores Not to spy on employees, of course, but just to listen to their concerns. Except, unfortunately, uh, one manager was caught on tape admitting that it was a, quote, last ditch effort to try and stop them from unionizing. (laughs) And that there's
0: a really interesting story about that Arizona Starbucks manager. Right. So this manager in Arizona, she taped this like staff meeting because she's like this sound like i thought it was about one thing and it started they started talking about just straight up fuckery where they're like man the unions are bad like it's just gonna take up all this money and you know this one was like okay no i need to put this on wax for everybody to hear (laughs) later down the road she was fired because of everything that can't the fallout from you know exposing that that happening but even before she taped that recording I just want to play this clip because she actually spoke to More Perfect Union just about like what her experience was like working at Starbucks before she finally was like, no, this is all kinds of fucked up. And namely, she had been diagnosed with cancer like a month before that. And when she was trying to talk with managers and things to say, how can I like survive or what can Starbucks do to help me given my health condition? This is it was just all a bunch of corporate fuck yous.
4: I was
2: asking to have fewer days. I was asking for what my other options were. I was told I could go on a leave of absence, but those are unpaid. And also you would have to pay your benefits out of your own pocket. And also you couldn't get a second job because then Starbucks wouldn't be required to give you benefits, which obviously wouldn't work for me because I can't be unpaid and paying bills. Right. I remember calling my district manager in tears. I was like, I don't have family. I don't have friends. I have
0: no one. What am
2: I supposed to do?
0: And they basically said, fuck you. Mm. It goes on to say down the road, she got, there's a bronchitis outbreak at the store she was at and she had to come in and open because she had no other option but to come in sick and then collapsed at work because she's dealing with cancer. She has bronchitis. And they were like, yeah, you got it. You got to keep working. You got to you got to stay in there. So this is like, you know, I think many people have experienced things like this, you know, where you you're up against, you know, a corporation or a management scheme that is saying you're not actually a person. Here's the deal. Like we need bodies in that fucking store. I don't give a shit what you're going through. And if not, we'll fuck it. You know, like capitalism's so brutal. I can toss you out and find another desperate person who's willing to completely exploit themselves because they have no other option. And that I think that context It was I just wanted people to hear this person's voice, because a lot of times when we talk about this, it's one thing to just sort of describe it. And another to actually hear somebody say, like, I was talking to my company, Starbucks, and they said, you better not get another job or else you don't need benefits from us.
3: But it it also gets at, like, what's so good about a union? You know, she's sitting there and she's saying, like, well, I I don't have anything. I don't have friends. I don't have family. You know, basically, she's appealing to her bosses being like, you're the only ones I've got. And they're like, well, we don't fucking care but that's what's so beautiful about a union if it's done right it's like well no then you actually have each other like not necessarily like the cold union bureaucracy which can be good or bad or whatever but you actually just have each other you can take care of each other and you can right i don't know i yeah, yeah there's a real structure
0: in place to actually you know protect somebody's you know their acknowledge someone's humanity in a way that has tangible outcomes.
2: yeah yeah all right, let's actually take a quick break and we'll come back and talk about, uh, you'll you'll never guess who decided to come back and rejoin as the CEO. It's a major plot twist. It's Howard Schultz. It's, yeah, it's who you would expect.
0: You like to watch new stuff, right, Zai Gang? I know I do. Well, go to Hulu and see what's new. Because Hulu has new stuff all the time, like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump.
2: And we're back. And so this is actually something the I'd like to see you try. I alone can fix it sort of megalomaniac ideology. That I mean, one of those things was a direct quote from Trump, but you know, the people are also speculating that now that Bezos is like. these itchy twitter fingers about tweeting about policy that it seems like you know that's usually symptom one that a billionaire is going to try and run for public office and so also in in that vein we've got howard schultz the first union killing ceo of starbucks who had stepped down as ceo to run for public office and is now coming back calling it a volunteer position being paid a salary of $1, which is just right in line with that. Brave. We're partners, just public gestures at a national level while at an actual interpersonal level like trying to kill people, you know, mm-hmm. essentially. <laughs> he He's back leading the push, and he immediately announced sizable raises and new benefits for employees, but only the non-unionized ones which uh, i think is illegal and discrimination against union members and yeah you know the union Although they said very clear
0: they're like no you can do that you can I, currently uh, you can't when they're trying to like get a collective bargaining agreement like we can't actually do anything right there so that's why like it's for the for the good kids <laughs> the good partners that aren't taking up for themselves
2: also allegedly intimidating pro union employees cutting hours and one employee in Denver where Starbucks employees held a strike was grilled by a corporate investigator over taking home leftover food, which, uh, mm-hmm. you know, everyone does. Leftover foods for garbage
0: cans. <laughs> Not for fucking mouths <laughs> that need them. <laughs> Fuck face, what are you doing? I'm a corporate investor, investigator. I mean, there's and all I'm those fu- people
3: who, like, put bleach on the, like, like before you yeah. throw out the bagels at night, you better put bleach on them so that if any, like, people who need food go in there, they die. You know? They're poisoned because yeah. that's
0: what they deserve for not having bootstraps. Yeah, <laughs> on their bare feet. That's the problem.
2: There's actually an amazing detail in this story where Starbucks investigators began grilling him repeatedly, demanding the identities of workers who took food and demanding to know who was homeless. So, oh my god, oh my god, that's like they what? like
0: like undercover unhoused employee, like that's what they're worried about. It's that's like, what they're worried about. Who
3: doesn't have a home?
2: We better right, fire so the people can, who are.
3: Yeah,
0: are yeah.
2: We already oh, don't pay we enough. have to, no problem here. <laughs> we, they're t- we take care of our employees. Which of them are homeless?
3: Yeah. I, I, I still,
0: I'm so, to what end? Is it that the optics, they're like, we can't have someone who's unhoused working here because then that reinforces the idea of the working unhoused person in this country. So we only want people who are struggling week to week to right, pay for a fucked apartment. And that's who we want to exalt as our partners.
3: Like what I bet fight? they think that they'll take food home if they're, right. they're homeless. Yeah, they I think, think right, right.
2: that seems to be what it was connected to. So yeah. they're homeless homies yeah. or something like that. I've read about God
3: forbid. <laughs> yeah.
2: They've launched an anti-union propaganda website that states that partners are better side-by-side side than sitting across a negotiating table and doing the standard unions are a business, just like Starbucks. And they make money by collecting dues, which is like the first line in on the 10 things to know about a union, like anti-union propaganda, everything. They've fired over 20 union leaders around the U.S. for justifications as flimsy as purposely breaking a sink and swearing. And yeah, and still they're getting their ass kicked.
0: Well, I think because it shows, right They're because no matter what they do, the die has been cast. Like, this is how workers feel. This is how too many people have experienced the working in America for nothing. And. No matter all like all the f- little raises you do or mm-hmm. fucking gift baskets or fucking fleece sweatshirts with their name embroidered on it. It's not going to make up for the just innate feeling of imbalance that exists when you're, you know, you clock into a place like Starbucks. Yeah. And even now you see how desperate the company is. They recently were like, hey, man, if you, if you want, you know, uh, if you, if you got to travel for an abortion or gender affirming medical procedures we'll, tra- we'll 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 cover the cost to travel but don't unionize yeah right. don't unionize we'll give you that how about that that sounded good right and they just throw out these small little like scraps to try and gesture as if we're we're changing something yeah. but the workers fundamentally don't think anything's changing and i think so it's it at this point it, it's odd to see them keep trying this without understanding like ah, you, you might as well try and embrace this uh, and figure out how to make it work for everyone but
3: and the
2: yeah.
3: the union yeah. dues thing always drives me crazy because it's like how bad do you think right. I am at basic math? Because like, okay, everyone who has a union brings home more money than everyone who doesn't have a union. Like you just end up with more money. And so like I have a like I have a literary agent, right? And and he gets fifteen percent of every book I sell. And I'm not like, oh man, that guy takes fifteen percent of every book I sell because he looks at my contracts and then he negotiates them up more than fifteen percent. I will right. I am not losing money I'm I am grateful to pay him for the service that he does me of making me make more money and that's what it means right. to pay a union do is like yeah this guy's job is to make sure I get paid a lot I'm I'm really no, excited no. to hire him because you are hiring your union reps you know like anyway,
0: but they, they, yeah, they. But they always use the imagery of like these uh, union fat cats, yeah. you know. Like, yeah. oh, I'm sorry. What is this an early '90s <laughs> like smear ad? Like, really <laughs> <laughs> fat See? cats? Like, you think that's gonna work on millennial and Gen Z workers? They don't give a fuck about. It. They're like, what <laughs> fat yeah. cat? No, motherfucker. I have barely anything, and I need to like I need the minimum. What's due to me as a human being? How about that? Yeah, but it's again, so.
2: Like the the use of progressive social politics like Starbucks is also the place where they took a day off to talk about race and then like Mm -hmm. tried to put it on their employees to have conversations about race with like customers. But then, yeah, this thing about like paying for people to travel and stuff like it's just it's so toxic to any progressive movement. For that to be used as a like screen for just retrograde, like anti-leftist, you know, fiscal policy and like abuse of of employees. That's going to do more Mm -hmm. harm than like the right could ever do to to those ideas.
3: Yeah, they're like, you can talk about anything but class. We will talk about all forms of oppression except for the fact that you can't afford to eat
2: food <laughs> right <laughs>
1: yeah
0: let's talk about class collaboration huh? y'all <laughs> fucking with crypto
2: <laughs> like wait
0: huh no uh hold on, hold on. that's just another episode <laughs> but yeah it's it, it it is a very it all comes together i think in this way that to, for people who just fundamentally like have the experience of lack none of this shit is gonna convince you until that you experience the opposite of it until you experience abundance that's mm. the only thing that's going to like uh, slow down uh, the momentum here but that's they can't do that their shareholders will lose their shit <laughs> if things like that begin to happen so i don't know i guess good luck with the empty gestures
3: yeah
2: right <laughs> I, yeah the empty gestures the sort of you know, broad like word play at a national level. Like I, it feels like that shit, which is like fully what the like mainstream Democratic Party and a lot of their corporate partners have bought into. It feels like that has officially just run out. Like I, I don't know that. The, you know, quote at the end of this that says it's shocking how badly they're getting the shit kicked out of them. I think there was a lot of people saying similar things about Connor Lamb, this Democratic, like, wonder darling. boy, darling, who was running for the Senate and got the shit kicked out of him by, like, sort of an outsider candidate in shorts. And it it just feels like there is a overall movement like the all these shocking ass beatings are happening in the same direction and it seems like it would be very obvious and like an overwhelming message that the time is right for democrats to like run to the left and embrace unions and embrace you know people mm-hmm. the actual humans and workers and the fact that Each time is being treated as like, what the heck is going on here? Yeah.
0: APAC spent $4 million trying to defeat Summer Lee. How did she win? APAC spent millions trying to, (laughs) the formula's not working anymore.
2: Yeah, it's just, there's a, the sort of mainstream media and mainstream Democrat apparatus just feels like they're, there's just a, it's gone dark. Like they, they can't communicate.
0: They're realizing, like, the relationship between, you know, the DNC and, like, leadership and what normal people are experiencing is, like, they're at that phase, like, in a relationship where you keep saying, yeah, I'm going to do the dishes. Don't worry. I'm going to do the dishes. I'm going to get to the dishes. I'm going to get to the dishes. And they believe you for a minute. Yeah. till the, they go in the kitchen And the dish piles of fascist fucking Gundam (laughs) made up of fucking (laughs) fucked up pots and pans. And now it's trying to vaporize you and all your fucking rights. And then you're like, what the fuck happened
3: in here? I said I would do the dishes. And by that, I mean, turn them into a Gundam.
0: (laughs) Exactly. And also, I'm glad you're here. Can you loan me $14 so I can tackle this fascist stack of dishes I created with my ineptitude? The fuck are you talking about? And now they want people to believe that shit? That's bullshit. And I think that's what they're not realizing is the the pile of dishes has become too high. And th- you, what you need to overcome now is that you prove you can do the fucking dishes. That's it. Just do one of them. Fucking pick any one of them. Fucking what? Anything. Voting rights, maybe. <laughs> Tile tax credit. A child tax, no child tax credit. Anything. or child but, tax credit or child tax credit. I mean that that would even sound cool, and people might believe it was a child tax credit. But <laughs> that's what I think is like there, like article after article is about how the establishment is not understanding what's going wrong, I, right? But uh, and they don't. They, it's like the most basic thing. They're not
3: dumb. They're they're just picking their class right. allegiance over their ostensible political values. They're like the democratic party is the party of capitalism as at least as much as the republican party and yeah. but the actual people who vote democrat don't like capitalism anymore because people eventually figured out what was happening um and the sort of shadow of the soviet union f- has fallen long enough that people no longer have to look at that horrible example and and so the democrats are like oh well we like capitalism right and everyone's like no we we don't you know it right so I don't know. I, I I don't think that they're like I mean they're lying to us, but I don't think they're I don't think they're dumb.
0: Well, no, I think more of that dumb in the sense that their their time like the tools of misinformation yeah. that used to work really well aren't. Oh yeah. And I think they haven't come to the realization that the populace isn't feeling Ah, uh, no, no, like, no, that makes I sense. Think, You know, and they're like, what the heck? It's like, usually do this. I put my kintake cloth on and I kneel with Colin Kaepernick. And then they don't they don't realize I've completely done nothing about police violence. Yeah. You know, or I put a trans flag outside my office and then you don't and I don't have to speak on like untold accounts of violence that are occurring across the country because I did my gesture. What the fuck? The gestures aren't working. Yeah. And I think on that level, it's and to that point is, yeah, the only way for it to work Like you're saying, Margaret, is that they have to give up the ghost on capitalism? Yeah, right. And they can't do that. So now we're just watching it fucking the machine, just like like someone threw a cinder block in a fucking dryer, right? And they're like, they're like, I don't know, like it's fucking not
2: working. (laughs) It's
0: like, yeah, no shit. Like everybody's burnt out. Like nobody's believing them. Like so many people aren't buying the myth anymore. Yeah, but you. But you're and I think that's the hard that's the hardest pill for them to swallow is that there are more and more people aren't as into the myth. And what do you
2: do with that? Yeah. I mean, the labor movement in the U.S. has always been pretty, you know, the. Has faced a stiff headwind. (laughs) (laughs) Not not a lot of tailwinds for the labor movement, but is there anything to learn from the history or, you know, activism or, you know, the the stories that you've been? Yeah.
3: Well, I can tell you about some cool people who did some cool stuff really quickly. Oh, okay. So I don't have my notes in front of me. So consider this the storyteller mode. When I do my actual podcast, I'm like, and in this date, the following person whose name I remember did the following thing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) But the way that my brain works is that when the details aren't in front of me, they kind of drift away into the story. So if you want the details, you should list my podcast. But basically, like, for example, the fight for the eight hour workday had been going on for hundreds of years before it eventually kind of worked and we kind of have the eight-hour workday although very few people i know actually have the eight-hour workday actually now but you know theoretically we have it and it it kind of came to a head when basically a whole bunch of anarchists and and other socialists uh started gaining more and more power in the in the the union movement in the 1870s 1880s and there was all, all these huge strikes and what people forget is that a lot of these strikes, they were they were life or death fights. People talk about like, oh, these crazy radicals. Like at the end of the story, someone's going to throw a bomb, right? But what had been happening prior to that was, you know, there was this great railroad strike that started in I think Western Maryland and swept through West Virginia, and it went out all the way out west, is the way they describe it at the time, which means all the way to Chicago. Right. You know, so the entire country from Maryland to Chicago was was shut down by this railroad strike, and so. The National Guard, militias, like all of these different groups, got together and just murdered workers. Cops were just just shoot down workers. Yeah, machine guns. Yeah, yeah. yeah West Virginia, in particular, they whenever workers go on strike, they sometimes just get machine gunned. And you know, and, and basically, at some point, people started being like, "Well, we don't, we don't like sitting here and getting machine gunned." And so, all of these labor speeches started being like, "Look, we either starve to death because that's what's happening." Or we die in the streets fighting for our our rights and that we get to take home the stuff we make, right? Like, because at the end of the day, a lot of the labor movement is just literally about, like, we made the stuff. Why do you get the money for the stuff we made? Mm-hmm. You know, because, like, for example, that guy is now taking a, a dollar salary, right? As if that means anything to him. Rich people aren't paid by salaries. Rich people right. are a- paid by owning things. And th- so they're paid by the money that other people make. And so all of this comes to a head in in Haymarket. Basically, the, worker, the workers, socialists and anarchists, sort of both, anarchists get kind of written out of history, and actually so sort do of socialists in this country. They're organizing, they're like, all right, we just want an eight-hour workday at the very least. And so we're going to call for a general strike on May 1st, 1886. And on May 1st, 1886, like hundreds of thousands of workers go out on strike across the country especially in Chicago and a lot of uh, a lot of bosses are like fine we get it you get 8 hours a day instead of like the 14 hours a day often that people were working and but a lot of other places weren't and so people keep going on strike so then at a particular factory the McCormick Reaper factory which is a really metal name for a farming equipment factory in Chicago hell yeah yeah these people who are making reapers all day mm. They're throwing rocks at scabs they're hanging out outside and basically the people who come in and take their jobs when they're out on strike they're throwing rocks at them and so the cops come up and sh- start shooting into the crowd and kill several people and several of the people involved in all that were anarchists and socialists but the anarchists sort of catch the brunt of this particular repression so the anarchists call for a, a rally on haymarket square on, on the fourth they call for this rally everyone goes being like what's going to happen what's going to happen and and nothing is going to happen. Uh, so it's a nice, peaceful rally at the end of it. The mayor comes and the mayor hangs out and he's like, oh, this rally seems okay. Everything's going okay. And he's like, all right, I'm going to head home. But the, the chief of police in that area really, really doesn't like these people. And he's been looking for an excuse to come in and not just crack heads, but shoot people, basically. And so he shows up at the very end once people are starting to disperse. And people are afraid that he's going to start shooting. I don't know, whatever happens. And then someone throws a bomb at the cops. A couple cops die and then a lot of cops die in the ensuing gunfight because all of the cops are the ones shooting and they shoot each other a lot. And there's this massacre. It's called the Haymarket Massacre. A bunch of people die on both sides. But a a lot of the evidence is that whatever. Anyway, cops did almost all the shooting, which I, I honestly, I wouldn't. I'm not trying to come at someone who's like, they keep killing us. So maybe we should shoot back. I'm not trying to come at about that. Right. So then they they arrest a whole bunch of people and they charge them not with having thrown the bomb or knowing who threw the bomb or having anything to do with the bombing they charged them literally with being anarchists they're like we don't like you we want you to die and so actually the people who defended them like their lawyer was not an anarchist their lawyer just believed in law he was like you can't do that you can't put people on trial for their beliefs in the united states or whatever uh but you can actually it's a very effective thing and they got found guilty and they got hanged a bunch of them and The thing that came out of it at the very beginning was this huge backlash against the labor movement. They're like, oh, these terrible, filthy anarchists, they're throwing bombs, they're murdering everyone. And so there was this immediate contraction of the labor movement. But then it it came back much stronger once people started seeing what a terrible injustice was happening. And their deaths sparked—well, they reinvigorated the fight for the eight-hour workday, which wasn't actually really won in the United States until, I believe, the 1920s or something like that. But they sparked internationally— a huge amount of, of the labor movement and so there's this like May 1st is the workers day in every country except the United States. And it's literally because the United States is like afraid of commemorating the Haymarket right. anarchists. So those are some example of, of cool people did cool stuff. My, my my show gets into a lot of like the individual people, the individual martyrs, the individual organizers. I, I conjecture about who actually threw the bomb who's like never been found in history. Uh, so you get your little true crime stuff in there.
2: Amazing. That's amazing (laughs) that that is not a story that we all learn, like especially when that is the main story that is the undercurrent of all American history up to this point is, you know, the fight between labor and capital. Yeah. Yeah. So that day is honored in other countries Mm -hmm. and not in the United States? Yeah, there's like basically as far as I, again, I don't have the details in the years in my,
3: like burned into my memory, but the the more liberal, the the less radical labor unions were totally fine to go along with the government and create Labor Day as an alternative instead of May Day, mm. which is celebrated all around the world. And then, kind of unfortunately, um, May Day kind of became slightly more of like a like the Soviet Union was like really into May Day, even though they also liked it, killing all the anarchists for being anarchists. So I don't really like letting them have it either. <laughs> But yeah, no, uh, and then all over the world you'd go and, you know, in the end of the 19th century and there'd be photos of the the Haymarket martyrs on the wall in every, like, union hall because people are like, these are the people who, you know, were killed just literally for, well, in this case, they they were killed for not the eight-hour workday. They were killed because they wanted to end capitalism. They wanted workers to get to keep the stuff they make, keep the value of what they make, you know?
2: Right. All right. Well, Thank you for I mean yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> what a what a great illustration of exactly what we're talking about and the where this lack of imagination for uh, revolution kind of comes from. Yeah. You know, yeah in a modern yeah. world. Yeah.
0: Never let people know what they can do collectively. <laughs> right. That's yeah. That's just don't put the instruction manual to that out there or let people know that's a thing.
3: Okay, wait, I have a... I have felt a built it for a second
0: in twenty twenty, but then people are like <laughs>
3: The lesbian sex in the UK they were going to outlaw it in I think the early 1920s this came up in some other research I was doing about um, history mm-hmm. of, of gay sex which is another cool thing that people do and and they were going to outlaw it in the UK but then you can, you can read the notes from parliament or whatever the fuck the UK uses to govern itself and they're like right. they're like we can't outlaw this because it'll give women ideas
2: oh
1: wow <laughs>
3: Because they're like, it's all these men. And they're like, women can do that? No, no woman has ever thought of such a thing, except a few outlandish (laughs) cases. We can't put it into law. They'll go out and do it. Morally
0: stimulate the what? <laughs> nah, <laughs> nah, 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 no, 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 <laughs> no, keep it legal, keep it legal, yeah. <laughs> don't put an instruction manual out for satisfaction of female sex organs, please.
3: That's the law, don't the law is like, an and, and then don't do this, and then don't do this, <laughs> and then if she's yeah. responding like this, don't do this, definitely, definitely don't do
2: this, yeah, yeah. well, <laughs> Margaret Killjoy, such a pleasure having you on yeah. Daily Zeitgeist. Yeah, thanks so for check having check out me. her show, uh, yes. "Cool People Who Did Cool Stuff." And uh, where can people find you, follow you, all that good stuff? I'm on Twitter way more
3: often than I wish I was, which is at Magpie Killjoy, and I'm on Instagram way less than I way more than I wish I was at Margaret Killjoy. And you can find my books by searching my name and things like that.
2: Uh, And is there a tweet or some of the work of social media you've been enjoying? Oh, yes. Uh, The
3: tweet I picked fits in very well with all of this. Jake Hanrahan, a war correspondent, tweeted on May 18th, another military enlistment building in Russia set on fire by activists. This one is on the outskirts of Moscow. All right.
0: Yeah, they keep going up. Hmm. They keep going up.
2: Miles, where can people find you? What's a tweet you've been enjoying?
0: Oh, boy. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Miles of Gray. If you like basketball, check out Miles and Jack got mad boosties, our basketball podcast. And if you like trash reality show, check out 420 Day Fiance, where Sophia Alexander and I talk about 90 Day Fiance
1: in an elevated fashion.
0: Um, Let's see some tweets that I like. First one is actually from Summer Lee, uh, who just won in Pennsylvania, despite the outside spending. Dave Wasserman uh, tweeted, I've seen enough state rep Summerlee wins the PA 12 mm-hmm. Dem primary defeating Steve Irwin. And she tweeted 4.5 mil fire emoji and garbage can because <laughs> that's how much outside spending was done to keep a friggin corporate Dem. They're like, no, 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 no. We can't get these people who are like saying stuff about apartheid states. No, <laughs> don't like mm. talk like that. Another one is from, uh, let's see. Oh, pixelated boat at pixelated boat tweeted just as Elon Musk predicted now that he's a Republican his political enemies are smearing him by making him pay $250,000 four years ago to settle his sexual misconduct (laughs) yes the time travelers won again and then uh, finally just from Jason Concepcion at network with the three instead of an E tweeted well I'm a fascist now and it's your fault and that's every billionaire after getting roasted online
3: (laughs) Mm
2: yep that was mine uh you can find me on Twitter at jack underscore O'Brien it was the What's one mine? tweet I read while I was sick these past two days oh no see
0: I, if anything I was assisting you I was lending you my yeah. voice
2: alley-oop and you know. I dunked it home there you go that was mine <laughs> <laughs> that was it there it was it was that one there it was but, also, yeah, check out the uh, Robert Dory episode of Miles and Jack on My Boosty. That was, oh, yeah. That was a blast. A true pleasure. If you want
0: to hear us nerd out, if you want to hear the childlike excitement in our voices, <laughs> check that episode out. Yeah. yeah.
2: You can find me on Twitter at Jack underscore O'Brien. You can find us on Twitter at Daily Zeitgeist. We're at The Daily Zeitgeist on Instagram. We have a Facebook fan page and a website, dailyzeitgeist.com, where we post our episodes and our footnotes. No. Where we link off to the information that we talked about in today's episode as well as a song that we think you might enjoy. Miles, what song do we think people might enjoy?
0: Actually, Margaret, are you cool if if we go out on a Feminaz school
3: track? Oh, yeah sure please do
0: please uh, uh, let's I mean I would let let you pick one what do you think is a good entry song for people like I, I like metal I'm uh-huh. actually you know, I'm gonna see my sugar in a couple weeks uh, but I'm curious what other like what you think is a good track just to get the people interested because we, we, we touched on your yeah. your genius so let's let's indulge
3: alright well one of our weirdest and heaviest songs that I'm really excited about is called A Malacht which, which is Irish for a curse and it is a Actually, our latest single. It's our adult swim single. So nice. oh,
2: okay, so this is gonna be Amalak uh from Feminine School. Check this out. All right. Well, the daily zeitgeist is a production of iHeartRadio for more podcasts from iHeartRadio. Visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple podcast or wherever you listen to your favorite shows that is gonna do it for us this morning. We are back this afternoon to tell you what is trending. We will talk to you all then. Bye bye. Amen.
1: Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChumpaCasino.com. Welcome to the family.
4: VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Avoid where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
1: As the number one audio company,
0: iHeartMedia gives you access to all, every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company.
1: Go to iHeartResults.com for more.